Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Not Enough Bones, a gaming podcast about too many bones and everything else that Chip Theory Games has cooking. My name is John, and I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, David. David, tell the people what's up. Hey, everybody. How is it going? This is David, and John, I'm excited to be here with you today. I'm really excited, David, because we are continuing our series today, our gear lock breakdowns, and we're going to be moving. Uh, last week, we covered uh, patches, and today we're going to be talking about Picket, who's a tried and true uh, adventure. So I'm really excited to jump into Picket and what he's all about. But I figured, as usual, let's uh, let's just catch up with uh, what we've been playing recently. David, we have been locked in on oh, Blood we're, Rage, we're... and, oh, and I need... Uh, we had a little heart to heart the other day. Um, so for the people that don't know, Blood Rage is one of my uh, all time favorite games. It's an Eric Lang game. Um, very, very punchy, very uh, fast paced. And you will get crushed if you're not <laughs> paying attention or if you're not familiar with the game and you're playing with people who are. Um, so I usually don't win this game. But um, David, we had the opportunity to play it, I think, twice. And we're in our third game now on bga of blood rage and this is a game that is not too hot for you and and we don't need to go into all the reasons why but i think you're trying really hard to love it because a lot of you know the the friends that we have really enjoy this game but um tell us a little bit about your your experience here yeah i i think in theory blood rage should be a game that i love um when i first started gaming with our group um i got i guess like the name of like agent of chaos and in part it's because (laughs) of blood rage and in part because you know and you can kind of more or less guess what you think other people are gonna do based on like so like what moves they're taking you're like ooh, they probably have that card well of course i don't know what my cards do like i don't know the ramifications of my cards sure. and so i would do things completely opposite to like what was expected and so you know matthew would get upset like david that's not what you're supposed to do and i'm like i don't right? know how am i this is my you're very, not being efficient yeah this is my very first game how am i supposed mm-hmm. to know um but anyways so for me just like i'm trying to love this game i've played this game what this so our bga plays this is our third game plus that yep. i've played it probably about like four or five times previously so you've um, given it a good amount of plays, more than a lot of games get, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, like, and you know how it is. Most of the time, it's like if the game doesn't shine through on the first first play um, or second play, then it's it's gone. So, like, yes, I I have given this a fair shake, and I don't know what it is. I think one of the things that bothers me is just like how, for example, if you want to be like if you want to go death strategy or what they call the Loki mm-hmm. strategy. Um, you can you have more control over that like it is easier to die right and have control over your death than it is to win battles because mm-hmm. you don't know how like you don't know who has what who has mm-hmm. the four card who has the plus five who has the card that's like it matches your strength and so it's like right and because things can happen so quickly. I think that's the game's all about time. You're like, Oh, okay. Well, well, if I don't know who has like the plus five or whatever, then I'm just going to try to build up forces. Oh, wait, they just mm-hmm. invade. Oh, wait, I can't build up forces. Cause guess what? They caused the pillage. I don't have any more guess, spots, right? guess I'm in this battle. And just, just so there's like, there's a lot yeah. that I think, um, sh- like strategy wise, I just don't, I guess I just don't see it. And I think like yeah. there are, like there are, are clear 
like card combos that people are looking for within sure. within the game. And I think like like you said, so for a new player, that's going to be extremely difficult because you play your board state, you plan them around what cards you've drafted. Right. Right. And it's, it's usually not the other way around. I, mm-hmm. I, that's what I, I believe this. Now, you might feel differently, but I believe that the game is all about the draft, which people love. Like, that is why people love Blood Rage is because the draft. As a matter of fact, our friend Brady was just like, just give me the draft, and then let's just draft three times over three ages and then, you know, <laughs> call it a day. And I'm like, and I get that because there's a lot of, like, tension and excitement around the draft. But because of that... W- it it leads to what I maybe don't prefer is that a game that is driven more about it is less about the board state and maybe more about what cards you draft and then planning around yeah. what cards you draft. And and I say that because that is where a lot of your points are gonna come from is based off of like the cards that you are um the cards that you are drafting and then how like how that leads into your strategy. Whereas something like if you play Ankh, another game designed by Eric Lang the game is more about the board state and more about your positioning sure. and being able to read the board. Now, yep. I have discovered, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna say I was wrong about a couple things here. I'm willing to okay. admit, okay. you know, this and is say... Growth. This yeah, is growth, everyone, you're this, witnessing. Yeah, I'm willing to say that in reading the board state in Blood Rage, you can then maybe try to guess what cards people have drafted and then therefore plan where you want to go. And yep. I have seen, to my own de- detriment, I, like this last game, I was having a pretty decent game. It was me, mm-hmm. you, and Jacob, all the way up until the third age. And I did one thing that completely ruined my strategy. And like, no matter what I did, it put Jacob in a win-win situation and me in a lose-lose situation, no matter what I did. And, and yep. that was all because I invaded one province over another, which... If everyone's been listening, they're like, hey, David, that's really hypocritical. Didn't you just say that you liked games about board state and positioning as in one move in one specific province could make or break the game for you? And I'm like, yes, but because of how swingy blood rage is, um, I guess it just like everything always feels bad. Like there's never anything that feels like good and that's just because i'm not good at the game i'm sure jacob on the (laughs) other hand is like man that game felt great Um, right but for me like so far it just feels like every decision i'm about to make is always the wrong one Mm -hmm. and i think like i'm not able to quite calculate the trade-offs just like we're playing a game right now and i pillaged and i knew that jacob and andrew both had like the suck of rage or whatever you siphon a rage off of Loki's like the, trickery, yeah, that, yep. Loki, yeah that and i'm and so like you know that brought me down from uh two rage down to zero so i can't do anything else for the rest of the round so yep. i don't know i just there's like uh but you should have known they had them but because, i did know because they, right, they so revealed you kinda, them and your, you do the cost benefit analysis of, yes yes all right so, this is going to be worth it right and so that's the thing so but i was like well but i need to pillage because if i don't then someone else is going to build up forces there, and then I'm not going to be able to get to that. So it's like mm-hmm. at what co- like the trade offs. That's the thing. Like the Blood Rage is a game all about trying to calculate your trade offs. And for me, when I calculate those trade offs, it just I always feel like I'm on the losing end of right. the bargain. I always feel like it's like everybody is my older brother, and I've mm-hmm. got I've got five dollars, and they're like, hey, would you? 
I'll trade you 100 pennies for your $5. 100 is better than five, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. That's Clearly, how I, right? yeah, that, that, is, that is how I feel. Hey, well, it's, it's, it's definitely not a game for everyone. It's a deceiving game, too. I'll absolutely agree with you. There's a great kind of parallel between like Root and Blood Rage being games that like the art gives you an impression that the game is going to be similar to like one thing, but in actuality, it's something else, right? Like Root is kind of cutesy art, but it's actually like a backstabbing, like combat, you know, efficiency game, game, whereas yeah. Blood Rage has this, you know, the Adrian Smith art, the title, everything makes you think this is going to be a punchy, like combat driven mm-hmm. game. And it is a efficiency, you know, dare I say Euro. It is a lot more to, Euro than people to uh, realize. The core. So, mm-hmm. um, and while the cards themselves, you know, I, I would maybe counterpoint the cards themselves are never scoring you points outright it's all scoring you points through things that you're doing on the board right so even the quest cards etc so so yes the cards help develop your strategy but it is how the cards then play out on the board or are used through interactions on the board to actually score your points um i think you have plenty of valid criticisms for the game but well and i and i had lamented somewhere along the lines of like hey i don't get this game my friends love this game i want to love this game because my friends love this game like, but here's the issues that I have with Blood Rage. And somebody had responded and they said, um, as you've identified, card knowledge is very important. And that is a knock on Blood Rage if you're not a memory plus player. Card knowledge plus draft plus board state gives you decent knowledge of what might be in other players' hands. But even with that, you can be on the end of a gotcha play. Also, some players' pursuit of suboptimal strategies, which makes parsing their decisions even harder. Um, and I think the memory thing and like like knowing who has what or remembering which cards could possibly be out there is the thing that's right. like it might take it for me. Now, other players might be like Giga Brain, you know, Ultra Lords that are like, you know, awesome. And after one draft, like, OK, I've memorized every card in the game, exactly how they how those play out. For me, it, it might take 10 games of Blood Rage for me to finally understand right. and even in this current game of bga on bga i'm kind of like okay I, th- I think i'm starting to get it which is why like trick-taking games for me has have taken so long to like be something that i enjoy is because yeah. part of it is keeping track of like what cards have been played what has what tricks have been won and blah 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 right. so anyways all that to say blood rage is still just fine it's okay I at least want to be good at the game. Like it sucks because then because now what you guys can say is like, well, David, it's because you're bad at it. I'm like, yes, but maybe I start winning some games, then I become maybe. really good at the game, and then I can say, hey, I've won like the last ten games of Blood Rage that we played, and I still think it's a bad game. And I think that would be where I would like to land eventually. Hey, there you go. Well, um, that's probably more than the listeners wanted to know about our thoughts on Blood Rage, but it's <laughs> one of our one of my top games. I won't say our. Um, and David is working his hardest to uh, to appreciate it and to at least see what the game has to offer. And if at the end of his good old college tries, uh, he still doesn't like it, I can kind of rest on the fact that he did put in the effort, which is more than some people will do. So I appreciate that. Hey, but we've got uh, one other game that's on our mind. Shoo! Shoo! David, David, I don't know if my wallet can do this. I just finished getting all my too many bone stuff and I have the revised core set of Arkham Horror sitting up on my table to the left of me. Um, I, I don't know. This wasn't really on my radar. I've heard of this game a ton. It's number one on the customizable type games, card driven games um, on BG uh, G. And I think you kind of popped into my mind a couple times that we should at least try it or, or look at it. And, um, 
I ended up ordering the revised core set and have played through just the first scenario. And I'm kind of part way into the second in in dire straits. So um, I need some need some help or at least a better uh, understanding of the game. But um, Arkham Horror is one of Fantasy Flight's kind of famous LCGs. Um, so living card game. They're still producing content for it, unlike you know the Lord of the. Well, I guess they're reprinting stuff for the Lord of the Rings game, but. Um, really excited about this one. Um, I think it's a pretty good mix of the other two games of theirs that I've played, Marvel Champions and the Lord of the Rings game. And I think it's the best version of it from my brief interaction in terms of the narrative campaign play really helps, um, I think, flesh out how your deck building, how you're improving your deck from uh, one round to the next, how you can kind of tailor that throughout the gameplay experience. But um the decisions you make actually feel like impactful in a narrative sense, which is, I think is really cool to fit into a card game uh, like this. So um, you did, I think trade or you bought some stuff for this game that should be coming in this week, maybe. Yeah. So I, so Arkham horror, the card game, just like real quick was a game that I attempted to play when I first got into gaming back in like 2018, 2019, because the theme was very Mm -hmm. appealing, appealing to me. Well, that rule book was really bad and it was not good. I was not prepared as a new gamer to tackle the fantasy flight double rule book that they had prepared. And so like, I just, I sold the game. I was like, all right, I would try the interest scenario. Didn't work for us. Well, when I got wind that this revised core set came out, I was like, Ooh, Mm -hmm. this might be a chance to maybe like hop back in. And like now is probably the best time to do it. And I think what it is, is that too many bones is a game that you can like sink your game. You can sink your teeth into. There's a whole right. universe. There's like all of these things to try and mix and match and blah blah blah. And you can like mm-hmm. get really deep into the game. Spirit Island. It's the same deal. And so naturally, for me, when I think of Arkham Horror, I'm like, there. Like people will sell their Arkham Horror lot, and it's like four hundred dollars worth of content. And I'm like, all right, there it is. Four hundred dollars worth of content automatically equals good game because that's what. Too many right. bones is basically. <laughs> and so for me, I was like, all right, I love the theme. They have a revised core set. I should probably get into this and try this again. And my wife, Sam, said that she would be willing to jump back into it again. There you go. Um, but like, because there's like deck building and all of like different investigators and um, what do you call those? Like different campaigns that you can play. But like, yep. I think ultimately what it is, is like what you said, is that you make decisions that are impactful to the narrative but it still is like strategic and you're not reading like long bits of text like you're not reading like long stories that like interrupt mm-hmm. gameplay or whatever either at least i don't think so um so yeah i'm uh, I'm, I'm really excited and i think it's going to tap into the same vein that like we have for too many bones the same vein that we have for spirit island i think it's going to scratch a more like narrative itch because like too many oh, bones yeah. has some like has some narrative, you know, but a lot of it's more of like the gameplay. Spirit Island mm-hmm. has no narrative other than like the emergent narrative that you gave from the gameplay, but it's really more of like your efficiency and your puzzle and stuff like that. This is going to, I think, bring not necessarily like the best of both worlds, but it is going to bring another element to that that you can just like really dive deep into. Like right. you can have your character. Like who are you playing as right now? I'm playing as Skids O'Toole and... Yeah. Uh, daisy daisy something yeah so yeah and so uh, like sorry go ahead no no i was just gonna say in all four or five i think of the characters that come in the uh, starter box seem to be pretty unique in their styles and i'm learning how important it is to have a myriad of these kind of traits and 
even having like a three on one is is like difficult like this game i'm like i've got a little bit of like combat prowess but i honestly have more investigation and agility and i'm like oh well if i don't draw the cards that are going to let me use my agility to either fight or help evade like i could be in a rough spot and i'm also just learning this is a pretty punishing game to be honest um i've gone and i'm i think i'm gonna reset up this most recent scenario on the easy setting Mm -hmm. um i've been playing on the standard one which I was like, initially, I was like, oh, maybe I'll play on hard. You know, maybe this game will be a little <laughs> easy. I'll, I'll breeze through the starting box, right? And then look for something more challenging. But man, it can be that chaos bag. Because really, anytime you take a skill check, you kind of pull a token to either add or mm-hmm. subtract from, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, your chances. And I had a scenario earlier where I was making an attack with one character against a monster engaged with another player. I bumped up my stats so that I could only fail on a minus four or the auto fail. And I pulled out the minus four, so then the attack damaged my other investigator. And then I did it again, there it and is. I pulled the minus four out <laughs> of the bag a second time. And at that point, I was just kind of like, well, uh, I guess I lose. It so is I still have it what it up. is. It, right. But the interesting thing, too, is that there's actually resolutions based on you can resign, you can die. So I'm like, well, I wonder what would happen if I you know, tried to progress the campaign and or resign early and see what happened, at least in this specific scenario. So like the game even builds in, all right, maybe you failed or didn't accomplish everything, but here's still a branching path of it might make this next scenario more difficult, but you could still get some experience and build up. So I'm interested in how that will go, Um, but it's definitely a punishing game. And I'm seeing where the deck building will get really, really exciting, especially with as you begin to like upgrade some of the cards you can get as well, kind of comboing yeah. into, all right, I can get this. It's, it's okay at its base level. It's really good at its upgraded level. And it's like superb at its, you know, top level. Right. Um, right. And it's gets more flexible over time when you need it to. So I'm really excited to, to kind of dip my toes in. I'm going to play through the, the base campaign and then I'll probably try to make my own decks and do that. And then get um, one of the, the bigger box expansions if i'm enjoying mm-hmm. it so yeah yeah definitely well that's that's i guess um kind of like what we're excited about and you know really looking forward to playing and i'll let you guys know we're in the middle of a blood rage game and i'll let you guys know how i how i do <laughs> so there is a there you go I, I will tell them this little tidbit is that we played i played like blood rage twice and then by the third game my wife you know joke i was lamenting about just like scoring so low and on my way out the door to go uh, play with the guys, my wife says, if you don't score past, if you don't uh, score a hundred or more, you're sleeping on the couch. And that game, I think I scored like 102. So that hey. was nice. But this last game, I only scored 99 points. And immediately uh, one of y'all were like, all right, you're back on the couch. So back on the couch, back on the couch. So I'm going to try to redeem myself again, this game and maybe score over a hundred potentially. We'll see. Too funny. But anyways, um, we are not here just to talk about our recent games as much as we enjoy and could probably go on even longer. Yeah. Um, David, we are here to talk about uh, El Capitan. Yeah, man. You know, the lead, <laughs> I, I would say the leader of the uh, OG kind of four gear locks mm-hmm. um, that come in the base box. We're here to talk about Pickett. Um, now, David, Pickett is... Like, like I said, he's like the captain, the leader. What, what, what first comes to mind when you think about our good pal uh, Pickett? Honestly, um, I don't know what like Marvel movie this is or like what Avengers movie. It's like, um, when what's his name, Iron Man, I think, like mm-hmm. has like the the giant like uh, suit and he's got like the sh- like the giant shield the or Hulk whatever. Buster. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hulkbuster. That's what it is. Yeah, that's that's what I think of when I think <laughs> of uh, when I think of Pickett. I thought you were going to do the Captain America route, which I think would also have been a been well. I guess good, that would be more the, more appropriate. He's he's kind of in uh, for anyone who's not too familiar, or um, you know, I think if we were forming, you know, the ideal like D and D party, or you know, your ro- classic role playing fantasy adventure, you've got, you know, we already talked about your healer last week, and this week we're talking about your your tank, right? If you're a MMO player, every raid group has got to have a tank, right? So Pickett is really the the sword and board, right? Sword and shield type defender he's kind of the leader he's a little charismatic you know he's um, always there to support and help his team um and he's kind of the main defensive focused character i would say in uh, the base box so patches was more focused on survivability i would say pickett is more focused on um just being defensive period right mitigating damage before it even comes in so you kind of see that through his various skill lines and see um, how he either protects himself and or protects his teammates. So um, definitely a fun um, gear lock to have in team play. I don't love Pickett solo, and we'll get to pros and cons uh, later. Maybe you have a different opinion. But mm-hmm. um, if you're thinking about Pickett, right, you're thinking about a more defensive type strategy, more uh, utility like that with your with your team. So um, we can go right into uh, some of his professions, um, right? I know we talked about this with patches, but every gear lock has four main professions, which are effectively different lines of uh, mm-hmm. dice or skill trees that they have. Um, and so I called him El Capitan because his first profession is the captain profession. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, one of the more unique professions um, in Too Many Bones, even though I think you'll see with a lot of Pickett, it's pretty basic. But Mm -hmm. um, the captain profession is all about giving Pickett kind of permanent buffs for his locked slot. So he has one that gives him health regen, one that gives him a a damage reduction, one that gives him movement, and one that gives him additional damage. I tend to love to immediately go for at least one or two of these whenever I'm playing Pickett. I Mm -hmm. typically obviously prefer the damage because damage is fun or the permanent defense. and, and I think he's a really flexible gear lock in that regard because he kind of can decide at the beginning of the game what path he wants to go through and get a permanent buff in his lock slot for the entirety of your adventure unless he gets, you know, defeated or something like that. But yeah. Yeah, I think... I, the, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I think like um, having passive bonuses too for, for someone like Pickett, it's going to be um, pretty big, especially when you know, like you're going to be depending a lot on those uh, defensive roles. And so just having the the passive things as kind of like, not a backup, but like, but there for security is is going to be good for, for him. So that's the, yeah. the, the captain line. And it makes sense because like it's, he's the captain and this is kind of like, as a, you want your captain to be like steady and sure. And like, mm-hmm. I can count on the captain. And so uh, I think having this, thematically at least in my brain yeah. it, it makes sense right mm-hmm. now david you might have been like john wait you skipped the backup plans john why <laughs> why didn't you talk about those yet well i wanted to pair those with the hero profession which is all about defense dice he's got some that go all the way up to four defense on a single die yeah and um they kind of act as counters go in your active slot similar to defense dice and you might be asking john why do i want all these defense dice um, and I think the reason can be easily found in Pickett's backup plan. So um, he does not have a single bones backup plan, but his number two is uh, two bones is one of my favorite backup plans in the game, just because I think it's a ton of fun. It's very thematic. It's called shield 
Bash. Mm-hmm. So Shield Bash says, remove all defense, including newly rolled active slots and lock slots. Then you exhaust those dice. Deal total damage equal to the removed defense to your target. So you're building up all this defense, you're protecting your team, and then you just decided uh, on a turn where maybe you rolled some good shields to just go ahead and bash your uh, your target in mm-hmm. with you know five, six, seven damage. Even I've seen it go as high as nine um, damage with a single shield bash. And I think this is a really versatile ability that allows characters playing as a tank to kind of give that last push. You usually don't want to use this right in the beginning or early yeah. part of a fight because mm-hmm. you're you're using those defense dice to protect yourself, but it's really good in a pinch because it's only two bones and you're able to do a good chunk of damage. Um, and he actually gets some defense dice at the start of the battle. He gets to roll um, all of his defense dice and place any of the um, defense into his uh, active slots. So yeah, he gets innate... to start off with some innate ones too. Yeah, I was going to say that innate ability is huge for Pickett. I think without that innate ability, it would be kind of... Not rough. weak, but like yeah, it would be it would be rough, and I do agree. Like you know the you know gameplay gameplay wise, I think what you're doing, say you roll a little bit lower on the initiative, and you know you get hit a little bit, you got some defensive dice left over. Well, then now mm-hmm. going into the next round, that's going to be your time to shine to like build up those defense, and then hopefully if you have two bones, use those so that you can um, get in a nice little shield yep. bash. And I and I think when I think of all of the backup plans that you have in the game across all the characters, I still think and agree with you that Pickett's shield bash is one of the best ones of the game. Yeah. And it feels so fun to use too. It's like so thematic, especially oftentimes mm-hmm. when you think about playing a tank character, it's not too exciting. And maybe I'm, I'm crazy because I love to do damage, right? I love the big numbers. I love removing those chips from my tyrants or the big mm-hmm. baddies. So it's fun that you can play a tank role. You can help your team. And then you can also give that big push of damage when you need to. Yeah. Um, And one one super unique thing about Pickett, too, with his hero line is that all of the defense dice that you roll with this specific line can also be given to your allies. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good, he's a really good like combo piece with a more aggressive gear lock who wants to use all their decks to use skill dice, attack dice, and you want to kind of spend some of your uh, resources to help defend uh, your allies. So his hero profession, all about that defense dice. They're almost all just effectively more uh, efficient defense dice. They're all yeah. shields with the exception of one, which has at least double bones for that guaranteed shield bash, or you can put it in your locked slot to help you train um, defense as you go forward too. So yeah. um, very straightforward. Again, like I said, not super flashy, but pretty versatile and useful. Yep, so that's Hero. So then now that takes us to the uh, Protector line. So this is like skills that allow Pickets to choose like a fellow Gearlock to take damage and effects on their behalf. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, thanks to like, because he's got such high defense, it'd be, uh, you know, entirely possible for him to use Protector skills without him taking any damage mm-hmm. himself, you know? Yeah, um, I think this one's really good. I also love the name of the first one. I don't know if you're uh, if ever watched Star Trek, but red shirts uh, always get killed in Star Trek. So yeah. that's kind of the uh, the idea of you put a red shirt on someone. I think that's the. I hope no one calls me out on this. I'm pretty sure that's the the illusion here. They often are pretty fun with their their yeah. name. So I'm um, kind of the idea of he's you know he's the one getting hit even if you know someone else is being targeted um so i think it's a pretty fun and unique skill to have to be able to take both di- uh, damage and effects, and effects. Like you think of yep. weaken you think of poison other things like that it's helpful to take those away from your weaker gear locks and put them on yourself yep 
Yep. So, um, and we end him with the warden skill tree. So this one's really interesting. I find myself not really using it a lot and maybe I should explore it a little bit more. Uh, But this, I would say, would probably come more into place in a solo game with Pickett um, because this gives you kind of three different options to either um, swap positions with either a baddie or um, an ally. You can do an extra move and um, possibly damage, or you can... prevent all damage and effects that are going to be done to you. Um, and all three of these dice have a cool thing where if there are two of them resolved in the same turn, you get an extra effect. So on the switch one, you either heal the person or damage the person you switched with on the move one, you can do extra damage to somebody adjacent to you. And on the repost one, which is the prevent damage, you can deal damage to the baddie that you block the damage from. So yeah, I feel like this is a lot to commit for minimal effects. So I typically don't find myself using these dice. And again, there's also no bones on them. So they're not really contributing to my uh, backup plans. So these are not my favorite. I think the repost is the best standalone effect because just by itself, it's really useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. Do you ever find yourself using, I don't know how much you've played Picket, but to me, this is a little lackluster, even though it's interesting. Yeah, uh, only once I've, I've played pick it i think maybe once or twice but i do like um like rush for example is a good one uh again in in terms part of the enjoyment for me in too many bones is how even if like even if the the skill dice or the effects don't deal out lots of damage or maybe don't do like the most effective thing but if they're Mm -hmm. at least like thematic um, I think that at least goes a long way. So like oh, if yeah. you think about like Rush, like he's like rushing through mm-hmm. with his shield. And so like, you know, the Rush then says like he deals some damage um, uh, uh, along the way. So like things like that, I think are at least like give it a, a little bit of a boon. So I will, um, you know, get Rush. Um, I, I don't remember ever like exploring um, any of the, any of the other ones. What uh, repost? what does that one say exactly? So it's like when attacked by. Repost is what, yeah. When you're attacked by an adjacent baddie, you can avoid all damage it affects that turn, which are really useful. Um, and if you have a second one in your active slots, you can use that also to deal three damage back. So yeah. um, to me, that's like two dice is a lot to commit to getting those specific faces too. Yes. So it's a little, that's kind of like a win more in my mind where it's like, if you have the resources and time to spend two dice for that effect, I think it's really good in a tyrant fight, but if you're in a bigger, you know, combat, it might not be as good, but yeah. I mean, if you're spending two of your decks for that specific outcome, it could be, mm-hmm. yeah, that could be tough, but I mean, he does with his backup plan. So, um, did we make it through all of his, um, we did not ro- run through all of them. You want to talk oh, about consumable number three. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So I was just going to say with his uh, last two dice are his consumables. His Orcish Ale lets him set his HP to one, but he cannot gain or lose HP while it's active. I think that's hilarious. He kind of gets one or two turns where he just goes on, you know, maybe a drunken uh, stupor and he can't get killed, but he can't get healed. And then when it runs out, he's on the edge of death. (laughs) Um, But if you have uh, the lovely Gobby Jerky, um it's just a straight up heal for two three or four so i think both of his consumable dice are great very versatile and yeah. helpful hey and like if you look at his art like he just looks like the guy that would would drink some orcish ale right just like he's got a, that bright mohawk mullet yeah is that, a, is that his hairstyle yeah it's like a mo i think it's a mullet it's mohawk mullet-esque i guess um right 
but yeah, he just looks like he'd 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 drink on the job and but like not mm-hmm. in a bad way, more of like a like an enthusiastic way, and certainly like that that's what right. it does. So, um, but like speaking specifically to the like committing skills or like skill dice and like spending your decks on mm-hmm. on a specific outcome. So if we go over the bones, so John did go over um like so on a one bone nothing two bones shield bash on a three you get a do-over which Mm -hmm. um still though like everybody remember this is a dice game so like even then that might not do anything for you but nonetheless a do-over you may immediately re-roll any number of your rolled dice one time so that can be useful on a four bones uh, you get benevolence restore two pickets health points and add two defense dice to his active slot so again leaning into that tanky character so we're like maybe He's like, hey, guys, like, I'm going to take the big hit. I see what's about to happen next turn. So, like, he loses quite a bit of defense and, and some of his health. Uh, four bones there can help get Pickett right. back into the game. It's a good swing. It is. It is. Yeah, two defense plus two health is a huge swing. That's that's pretty good. Um, then you got five bones. So, shield shock, an improved version of shield bash that also mm-hmm. inflicts stun to the target, which stun, if everybody doesn't know, but stun is basically um, the the baddie that you apply stun to will basically skip its next turn. So yeah. I guess you just like, you hit them so hard with your, your shield that they're in a shock state and now they're stunned. So right. um, there you go. And uh, I think the equivalent to like in WWE, you know, you like, you hit someone with a <laughs> chair over the back of the head, except with, instead of a chair, right. it's, it's a picket's shield. It's a shield. So yeah. Um, and then six bones, of course you great upgrade to your innate plus one. Uh, which why don't you tell our lovely listeners what is an eight plus one for yeah Pickett? the the gear lock wall is a really really powerful an eight plus yeah. one so Huge. in addition to his shield walled ability which is letting him roll his defense dice at the beginning of um, the turn he can also put rolled defense dice in his lock slots so that's only the white defense dice it's not from his hero profession um, but he can put them in lock slots even during battle and there's a key kind of asterisk right after this that says. Locked defense dice will not reduce available defense dice. So you are limited to a total of six between your uh, active and locked dice mm-hmm. at the top of your gear lock mat. Some gear locks have two, three, four, et cetera. I think he has four active, two locked, if I'm remembering correctly. And um, typically when you're rolling your defense dice, you can't exceed between what is currently in your active slots and what right. you're rolling your active defense value. So this effectively gives him the ability to, with four defense, have six defense dice, which is how you can get to those eight, nine, ten value shield bashes. Yeah. Um, so it's just really, really versatile when you get to that gear lock wall. It's one you'd want to push for, and you're rolling so many defense dice that it's possible you'll get it relatively early because um, you do get um, a good amount of bones just on your normal turns from rolling defense dice. Yeah, I'd say like some gear locks, like I don't know that getting an eight plus one is like the biggest deal in the world. Like if I get it yeah. great, if not, then whatever. But like, I think for Pickett, getting that an eight plus one can make a huge difference over the course of your, um, what adventure. Like yeah. him is one, like I would specifically try to get an eight plus one, as you said, like pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think that's all of Pickett. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we go into our pros and cons, uh, list here on Pickett? 
Uh, just like really quick for the listeners, this is always fun to do over an audio medium is to try oh, yeah. to describe something that's visual, mm-hmm. but nonetheless. Uh, so Pickett, he's like standing proud. He's standing tall. Uh, he's leaning on his shield. And I love that like the shield has like little flaps or whatever that like open right. up to make the shield even bigger. I think that's really cool. Um, he's got lots of armor. So, you know, he's got sp- like armor plates on his shins and uh, spikes on his boots and stuff. So uh, I, like he's he's pretty pretty well protected. Although I don't know oh, what's yeah. up with those those leather uh, what do you call it like like leather gloves or whatever. It's not a pick. It. We got to up hey. your you got to up your game. I guess maybe it's maybe more flexible than something metal. Right. But he's got those shin pads or those shin guards ready. Yeah, uh, and they're kind of spiked too. So you might not want him to uh, to kick him. It's funny looking at. Um, some bgg um photos there's some old photos of you know he literally had an ability called shin guards um way back when on a, a early version of the game so yeah. um it is cool to look back and see uh some of the art and how they mm-hmm. um evolved the uh characters over time but he also like he like looks old and young at the same time like right? i don't know what it is maybe it's like the chin that like protrudes out really far but mm-hmm. like he looks old and young at the same time so uh yeah, but that's that's Pickett, our our captain. So yeah, let's move on to some some pros and cons. So um I think pros is just gonna be like if you are the type of player who really likes, as John said earlier, like being a tank and being survive you know, like survivability, being able to take wave after wave after wave of hits, yep. um, then this is gonna be a, a good a good gear lock for you to pick. Right. Um, if anyone's played the game League of Legends, he reminds me of the character Braum, who just has this giant shield and, and his kind of famous word is, is stand behind Braum. Right. So it's kind of like he, he just gives me the, you know, the kind of the RP as I'm playing Pickett is kind of like he's the protector. He wants to be out on the front line. It's enjoyable to kind of get into that mindset and say, all right, I'm going to be defensive and I'm going to equip my other gear locks, which is why I really love playing him, especially in two players, because I feel like I can pair him with. Uh, a damage dealer or a more control based character and be almost as reckless as I want with them because Pickett is so kind of sturdy and survivable. Um, So he's just great to have in any party. And I just love that he can push out that kind of last bit of damage when he needs Mm -hmm. to um, in a pinch. So um, definitely a lot of pros for Pickett. Um, But what about cons? Do you have any cons? Cons? um, Just like a couple here. And, And I think other people have said this before too, but he is a little bit one dimensional. Like, Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, all right, defense. That's that's all I'm really that, working with. And kind of like trying to, I mean, it's just your defense. So, um, so if you want to have like a lot of different things that you can be doing, maybe picket isn't necessarily for you. Um, although for me, I I like um, I like how they they lean into like that portion of your gear lock mat um, right and you know lean into something like that that otherwise other gear locks don't really have which like i don't think right. any other gear lock really you know does with defense what picket does with defense so no yeah and, and i think um that's a good point right the specialization of the different gear locks is more of a feature than a downside right like it's to me it might be a con because it is a relatively one-dimensional play style, but that might be the play style that somebody's really looking for. Um, so definitely that's a great point of just cause it might not be your favorite way to play. doesn't mean it's everybody's, you know, not favorite way to play. Um, but I would say, yeah, my only con would be a little bit of a one-dimensional play style, which, which can feel boring. 
at some times, but um, you do still get those great turns with shield bash and or, you know, a lot of movement and um, there's some great theme to lean into. Um, and I guess one, there's one weird interaction that he has that I wish wasn't in the game, but I understand it. Um, we mentioned his captain profession where he can get those kind of permanent buffs into his locked slots. One of them is a permanent kind of one shield slash damage reduction. It counts towards shield bash, but unfortunately, if you do shield bash, you have to exhaust that dice. So you lose it, meaning you then have to, at a later turn, roll it again, have it land on the shield as opposed to the bones. And so, like, I wish, and and maybe I'll just house rule this, like, I wish you just kind of got a permanent one buff to your shield bashes as opposed to having to sacrifice that dice. But that's like a maybe a prawn or a, um, just maybe a nit that I have with with how that interaction works, and that's easily house rulable. But I understand it's pretty powerful to have at least a permanent one one damage there that you don't need to sacrifice much to get but yeah yeah anyways um we we want to talk a little bit about um his uh his retirement in uh and before we do that do you have any kind of high school superlatives quote unquote that he would get you know most likely to or the best thing that came to mind was best hair you already kind of called that out out of all the gear locks i think he might have the best hairdo he's got this bright orange mohawk mullet Um, so if I were, you know, signing his yearbook, I would expect to see him, uh, that great photo that you described sitting right next to, uh, to best hair. But did you think of anything that would fit Pickett? Yeah, I think, uh, most, uh, most likely to, uh, bring the beer to the party, you know, is the, (laughs) or most likely to uh, host the party when the parents are gone. And, uh, you you know, he's the one that's bringing in the keg and just wants everybody to have a good, but because he's a tank. Uh, he wants everyone to have a good but safe time. You know, he wants exactly. everybody to feel secure, but also let loose a little bit. And that's a uh, absolutely. And that's Pickett. So we got a little. Uh, so so John obviously Pickett cannot adventure forever. It's At true. At some point in time, he's got to hang up the shield, put up the sword. And so, what happens to our our dear Pickett? Yep. So Pickett continued adventuring for many years until, unfortunately, he uh, took an arrow to the knee. Um, and <laughs> after that, Pickett decided to hang up his sword and board and open up an inn where he could provide lodging and comfort to weary adventurers from near and far. He served up his staple meal of gobby jerky with an orcish ale and shared stories with all those different adventurers who paid him a visit, uh, being able to provide and entertain for people for years to come. So that is our dear Pickett in retirement. Didn't have as crazy uh, or uh, drug-ridden lifestyle as um, our friend Patches. Patches. Um, but hey, I think it's pretty on brand for him. Listen, it, if if we said he's a little one-dimensional in play style, it means that he's a little one-dimensional in his uh, in his retirement. And uh, you know, I maybe. guess that uh, it makes sense. It makes sense. But I uh, I like it. And who knows? Maybe maybe he re- he is able to recruit another gear lock to help him cook. In his, uh, in his, uh, and, and I mean like cook meats and like actual food, not cook like, like, uh, not gobby jerky. You kind of wonder where he's getting all these goblins from, to be honest. Yeah. 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 Not like Walter White cooking, like actual cooking, yeah. cooking. So there you go. Yeah. Love it. Um, other than that, uh, John, if you had to rank Pickett, where do you mm-hmm. put Pickett in the overall? He's he's still he's right in the middle. I don't think there's going to be many gear locks that I'll say I don't like to play or that would be at the bottom. But he's kind of towards the middle. Um, he's enjoyable to play. He's one that I think is great to play if you're teaching the game to new players. 
yeah. you play as him because you can kind of allow the other players to do their thing. Um, so he's kind of maybe like a B tier type, um, you know, kind of right in the middle of the pack for me. How about you? Yeah, actually, that's a good pro that I I didn't even think about. But like, yeah, if 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 you are teaching somebody too many bones, like Pickett is a good one to have because like Absolutely. you can take damage for them. You can like you know take some of those effects, and so like they don't have to worry as much about like. Well, I, I got to do such and such skill before like I die or whatever. So like right. Pickett is a, yeah. So that's a, actually a, an excellent point. But yeah, um, I'm actually going to put Pickett into uh, my A tier just because okay. I like because thematically I love him so much. Sure, call him one dimensional. Call him not so hey, flashy. That's fine. that's fine. I think I just I like that he like what he does. He does it well, and I really like that. And it leans into the just like thematically taking that shield and just like you know bashing someone and dealing the damage. Now, granted, you got to hope that you roll the uh, the defense that you need uh, for that, but that is part and parcel with the with the game. So yeah, I'm gonna put Pickett at A tier. John puts him at B tier. We can already tell who loves too many bones more <laughs> john is hashtag fake fan hashtag Ooh, fire him from the we podcast. just haven't gone to my favorite cure locks yet yeah yeah, yeah that's 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 true that's true i will that's it that's spoiler it. alert well not spoiler alert, but maybe i'm gonna tease everyone this i do have i think i have a gear lock that i'm not really too keen on and oh like would choose not to play if, if i didn't have to but we'll that won't come we'll, we'll get to that at a at a later date i won't say how much later but it'll come to it at a, at a, at a later date so anyways okay. um yeah so that's all we got for you guys today uh john if somebody wants to reach out to us and tell us whether Pickett has a mohawk or mullet where can they do that well, they can send us an email at notenoughbones at gmail.com or they can send us a direct message and follow our Instagram, notenoughbonespod on Instagram. And we also have a Twitter, David, don't we? That's not enough we, bones. <laughs> yeah, we do have a Twitter that we should probably use at some point in time. So, Right, um, but we are starting to post on Instagram. I've been right. throwing some stories up there. David, you can you can go see our sh- uh, smiling faces as well if you're yeah. interested. Um, we're excited to kind of get this thing up and rolling. Uh, but reach out to us on social media, send us an email. Uh, we'd love to hear from y'all. Um, love to hear your thoughts on Pickett. If you've got a better, you know, epilogue for his story, um, we'd love to hear it. But yeah. um, I think that's going to do it for uh, this week's episode. We want to give a shout out to uh, Jonathan Allen Wright for our amazing intro and outro music as well. Um, but stick around for our upcoming episode in two weeks. And thank you all for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.